Welcome to the Genetics Podcast. I'm really excited to be here today with Steph DePardo. She is a writer, blogger, and a patient advocate. Uh, so Steph developed an autoimmune condition called ankylosing spondylitis uh, around age 21. As a result, she had to quit her job. Um, in her words, she was bedridden for three months. Um, I think it took about a year to actually get a diagnosis definitively of ankylosing spondylitis. Um, but when she was 21 and, and originally started experiencing symptoms, she started to blog, uh, posting on Facebook and Instagram about her experience. And since then, it's it's really snowballed into writing across a number of different platforms, her own social media. Um, she wrote a guest blog on, on our blog post, and she also writes regularly on the, the Health Union blog. So first of all, I'd, I'd just like to say welcome, Steph, and, and thanks so much for taking the time to be here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I've I've read a lot of your writing on your personal blog, uh, Totally Chronic, um, TotallyChronic.com, which is a, I think, an amazing uh, name and, and <laughs> URL, by the way, um, as well as some of the health union writing. Um, and, and obviously, uh, I think, first of all, you're a great writer, but you're also really an open book about your experiences, which I think is, is really refreshing. Um, and it's powerful because people can connect with you and, and um, you know, they, they get an unfiltered version of you. So I was wondering if maybe you could start by just telling us about your experience um, with ankylosing spondylitis. What was it like at, at age 21 when you started to develop symptoms and, and then when you started to actually write about your experience? Yeah, so when I first developed it, I woke up one day and my hip was in a lot of pain. I started limping and I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I thought, oh, I'll just kind of walk it off, some random pain, who knows what it is. Um, and then about two weeks later, I'm working the whole time, and it's progressively just getting worse and worse. My manager comes up to me, and she says, hey, Steph, like, we can tell you're in a lot of pain. Um, you need to go to the doctor. Like, We'll give you the time off. You need to go check it out. And um, I did the next day, and I never went back to work because that started the whole journey. Um, the walk-in doctor I went to didn't know what was going on. Uh, gave me a couple days off work, but I knew I would need more. Um, became bedridden completely, uh, apart from um, doctor's appointments. And that's when I started to post on Facebook about what was going on with my life and medically and just kind of wanted to share with my friends and family what I was going through. And over the course of a few months, I would get comments like, Steph, this is amazing. Like you made me, you almost made me cry. Um, you're such an amazing writer. And I kind of took that and I was like, oh, maybe I should you know, blog about it, make a website for those who are kind of going through something similar or maybe don't know what's going on. And so in November of 2018, I started my website and it kind of just took off from there. Great. So you, so you got a lot of positive feedback from your friends and family. You started initially on Facebook. How long was it before you decided to actually start your own blog? It was about a year and a half, I'd say. Okay. And, and uh, in that time period, I guess you, you got your diagnosis because I, th I think you said in one of your previous blog post that it took you about one year to get a diagnosis, mm -hmm. which, which you said felt like a lifetime, even though for <laughs> others affected by enclosing spondylitis, it can take eight years, 10 years, um, even longer. So, so tell me about that. How did you actually get the diagnosis and why does it take so long for, 
um, for most people, uh, you know, like you, frankly, a year is, is a year is a really long time mm-hmm. um, to to get diagnosed. In Canada, we have free healthcare, but we have a lot of wait time. So to see a rheumatologist, it took me six months, and then from there, he had to do a bunch of testing, which also took a lot of waiting. I also saw neurologists in that time. Um, we got referred to neurosurgeons who didn't want to see me because it wasn't related, and yeah, so it took me six months to see the rheumatologist, and then I got an MRI, blood work, x-rays, and then four months later, got diagnosed. Why did they have you seeing a neurologist? Was there some concern that it might have been some some kind of nerve damage or, or something like that? It, it, was it clear to you? I mean, some people start to do their own research. Did you feel like you you diagnosed yourself before you actually got a diagnosis, or what, or was that year period really... Um, kind of confusing and disorienting in terms of what was happening? It was really confusing for me because um, the first MRI I got, I had some cysts around the bottom of my spine. So that's why they thought it was neurological. But yeah, so I thought, okay, it's related to that then. That's the only answers we were getting. And then when the neurologists were like, nope, you seem totally fine. There shouldn't be anything going on. I was like, okay, what? what's actually happening here. What has been the biggest unexpected result of your of your writing and blogging? Um, it seems like from the beginning, you had a lot of people reaching out and saying that, you know, it was uh, emotionally moving or touching or probably helped them understand a little bit more about what you were going through. What What other things came out of it that you weren't expecting from the beginning? I definitely wasn't expecting all of the feedback and people reaching out that really means a lot to me and like the positive comments and I got a comment from a mother whose son had it who said I my son has AS and I finally understand it now um which like means so much to me and I wasn't expecting all of that at the beginning I just thought you know if I help one person you know that's all I want so I get almost messages on the daily from people saying like I found your blog I found your Instagram and it's amazing, honestly. That's so great. Uh, how do you know about how common AS is? Because um, it, it strikes me as uh, I know a little bit about it because we're supporting some some research in the area here at Sano, mm-hmm. and it it falls in the category of um, common enough that that many people are affected by it, but rare enough that it's not the first thing anyone suspects, and and there's also actually not that much information about it in in many cases so probably blogs like yours are are one of the first things that people come across when they've been diagnosed for the first time how how common is it uh do you know Uh, i'm not exactly sure but we do have a support group in my area and there's about there's a good chunk of us so it's not super uncommon yeah i think it's uh, probably in the one one in a hundred to one in a thousand people kind Mm -hmm. of range right but it because it's challenging to diagnose. I, I imagine there are a lot of people out there who maybe aren't getting the the health care that they need or, or getting diagnoses quickly enough. Um, and sometimes, you know, people like you can actually help help people to orient themselves towards a towards a support network and, and find those kinds of things. Have you have you engaged with uh, other kinds of online patient forums or, or groups, things like Health Unlocked or Patients Like Me or or others come to mind that um, we've had we've had someone on the podcast before, Paul uh, Wicks from Patients Like Me, 
uh, talk about how transformative those groups can be for people to to kind of build a peer support network. Has has that ever been an outlet for for you, or have you focused on on writing primarily? Um, I actually haven't heard of any of those, so that's right. interesting. Um, yeah, just mostly the writing for me. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear more about your book. Uh, you recently published a book called Just Breathe. Um, how, how did that come about? And it was, is it a culmination of some of your writing over the last few years or is it entirely new? What's, uh, what's it all about? So Just Breathe, it came about one of my friends was like, you know what, you should read a book. And I was like, that is like, that's my um, biggest goal. Like I would love to write a book someday, but I was like, oh, it'll never happen. Or like, it'll happen years from now. And she was like, you know, you can self-publish with um, Amazon. And I was like, oh my gosh, Like, this is an actual possibility now. So I just kind of started writing back in January and I couldn't stop. Just, it's basically, it's like my articles, but a bit longer. So it's just short essays on different topics of my life. And I just couldn't stop writing and I published it at the end of March. Amazing. How, how, how can people find it? It's, uh, it's on your website, obviously. And, and I guess you mm-hmm. can order it through Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Through Amazon. One of the things that you, I noticed you've covered a lot in, in your writing is the mental health aspects of chronic disease. Obviously there's a, you know, there's a physical aspect with, um, with AS of, um, you know, of, of, of joint and spine pain, but obviously the mental part is often overlooked by healthcare professionals. I, I wonder if we could Talk a little bit more about that and why you choose to focus on that um, in some of your writing. Yeah, so I've had chronic depression since I was 16, so it's not new to me, but the um, topic of having it with chronic pain and chronic illness is newer. Um, And I know how important mental illness is because I've had it for so long and it runs in my family. So just writing about it and not being secretive about it um, I think is so important and it shows a whole other side of chronic illness to people who don't have it. Yeah. Cause the, the two are related, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, a, there's, there's a feedback loop that is often, I think it's often not considered strongly enough in, in the healthcare system, traditionally speaking, right. We tend to focus on, on treating the physical aspects, but, but often overlook the mental aspects that can be a result of the physical aspects or that can compound and, mm-hmm. um, and add is, has that been your experience? I'm not sure how the Canadian healthcare system is from a mental health perspective. Um, but I know here in the UK and in the U S there's certainly a lot of, um, there's a lot of room to improve in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've only done, um, government covered therapy, which again, the wait times are very long. Um, I think I waited about six months to see my first psychiatrist. Um, so it's definitely there's room to improve. We had a question from Hannah Thompson, who was wondering if one of her friends developed ankylosing spondylitis, what can she do to help or, or what should she say? And obviously it's it's different depending on the relationship to the friend, but how do you support someone in your family or friend network that um, that's that's diagnosed with a chronic condition? Um, and, and, you know, being a, being a good, good friend, good supporter or, or ally. I think personally for me, the best thing to do is just to listen and let your friend vent 
Um, let them get out what's going on. You don't have to fix their problems because you're not a doctor. There's oftentimes not much to fix. It's just learning how to deal with it and learning how to live with it. So my biggest piece of advice is to just listen and be sympathetic to them. That's great. I, I think that's good advice. I was wondering if from a research perspective, you have any advice to offer researchers? I think one, um, you know, one topic we discuss a lot on this podcast is that how researchers don't always have all the answers. And, and often, um, if you ask patients, then then they'll tell you what to focus on. And it can be very different from what researchers think is, is what should be focused on. I wonder if you have any perspective on that. Um, if there are things that that you feel like researchers should be doing um, that they shouldn't that, that they aren't doing currently. Um, I'm not super familiar with the research on AS, to be honest. That's fair enough. But what are the things that you wish you what do you what are the things that you wish healthcare or um or you know or the access that you have to rheumatology did did better that it doesn't have you know that was maybe didn't meet the expectations that you had um, from the start? Um, something that I find with my rheumatologist is it's always very rushed. I can't really right. talk about what everything I'm going through because it's just go, go, go all the time. So again, with the listening, it's important to listen to the patients that go through it every day and know what they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. How has that changed at all? Due to COVID, what I've heard from some um, from some clinicians on on Twitter and personal conversations is that they're they because they have Zoom meetings now they have often a little bit more time because there's none of the administrative things of walking around and you can go from a ten minute meeting with five minutes of admin on either side to to maybe a slightly longer twenty minute meeting. Has that been your experience at all, or, or has it been different? That's really interesting because mine is the complete opposite. Interesting. Um, yeah. I talked to my rheumatologist about a month ago and it was just, it was even more rushed. It was about a two minute phone call. And it was just, because they're just yeah. scheduled, scheduled, probably scheduled back to back all day and 10 minute phone calls. Do you find that you, that you then turn to your your writing or other patients or experts to to get that outlet because you don't necessarily have that from the rheumatologist yeah i definitely find i'm asking people on instagram a lot like oh do you have anything that helps with fatigue or like what do you do when this happens so yeah i turn to other patients so yeah yeah i i'm i'd like to ask you more about um instagram i'm uh <laughs> because for i mean i'm i'm only 29 years old so i I have an Instagram and, uh, and I, I don't, I'm not very active, but uh, I think researchers in general probably don't embrace or understand Instagram, um, you know, in, in probably the way that we should. And, and I think there's a lot to be said about uh, how we engage people in research and how we better communicate new information out. Um, what, what has your experience been on Instagram as an outlet for connecting with other patients or, or advocating? How's it different than Facebook? How's it different than um, blogs or, or than your, your interaction with uh, maybe the traditional healthcare system that I think is, is very far from Instagram in terms of embracing technology? Yeah, it's been amazing, my experience on Instagram. I can talk to people from all, I get messages from people in India, 
South America, the UK, like everywhere. And we all are going through the same thing. And it's amazing to just talk to people that are going through the same thing and know exactly how you're feeling. Um, Because you can't find that all the time in real life with your friends. They don't really know what you're going through. So it's, I've made a lot of friends um, and they've helped me a lot through Instagram, just mentally too. How do they find you? Do they um, do they find you via one of the hashtags that you use, or or via mm-hmm. your blog? And and then what happens after that? They they send you a, a DM, or do you have a private group of of people that you kind of are close to and chat with? How does how does it actually work? Because I think people are familiar with the concept of a Facebook group, and there are very mm-hmm. large Facebook groups um, that that are started by patient advocates or groups of patients um but i'm i'm not sure how how it really works on instagram because it's much more of a public forum right you can create private groups but it's not it's not really the same um in the way that it is on facebook mm-hmm. yeah so i mostly use hashtags on all of my posts um that's how i found a lot of the times or through my website but i'd say the hashtags more um and then they just send me a private message with a dm and just tell me, like, you know, I found you going through exactly what you're going through. Like, do you have advice for this? Or, like, I just started a new drug and I get a lot of messages about Humira and stuff like that. Right. I, I noticed that on, on your blog and I, I was curious how how that works. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not affected by um, AS, so I'm relatively new to, the, you know, to how it actually works operationally from a treatment perspective. Was that the... Was that the first treatment that you tried or was it, um, you know, one of a, a very long line? And how, how did you actually approach, um, you know, determining whether you want to take an injectable biologic drug or, or um, you know, one of the other options available? Yeah, so Humira is my second. I was on Remicade first and that's through the IV. Um, it worked for a good year. And then I'd say the second year I was on it, it just kind of progressively got less and less effective. Um, so I talked to my doctor and he actually wanted to keep me on Remicade. And I asked if I could try Humera because I've seen the commercials and I've seen people do it. And I figured, especially with COVID going on, this would be a lot easier. Um, so I just get it delivered to my house and I just do it every other week. So how so how does Remicade work? You said it's an IV. So, mm-hmm. um, so do you have to actually go to the doctors uh, periodically? Yeah, I used to go, it starts every eight weeks, and then I had to go down to every four weeks because it stopped working for me. How common is that in terms of an experience for other people like you? Do, do you hear a lot of people having the same experience that something like, like Remicade works for a period of time and, and then it stops? Do you, did you get any you know any understanding from people why that is or, or what's, um, what's driving that? It, it seems to me like a really frustrating proposition that uh, every every couple of years you have to look for something else because for for whatever reason your your body learns you know learns to um i don't i don't even know what's happening on a biological level mm-hmm. but it's it's you probably need higher and higher dose to achieve the same effect yeah. i imagine and and at some point it becomes unsafe is that is that right yeah 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 so i do find a lot of people start with the injectables and they just go through three or four of them until they find the one that works. Um, so it is pretty common just to keep going through them every so often. 
it seems like a frustrating process, but and mm-hmm. you write about this a lot. To some extent, it it becomes it becomes part of it, you know you you grow used to it, right? Like you've you've yeah. written in your writing before that it becomes a part of you, and it uh, you know you know that you're in it for the long haul, right? This is part of your identity, mm-hmm. and and um, and you you own it, and you're very um, you know you're, you're very open and honest about how your experiences are. So I think it, you know there's a level of resilience there that you build that probably other people other people don't because they don't have that experience. Right. Yeah. I just kind of, I don't know when it happened in my journey, but I just kind of thought to myself, like, okay, this is, you know, this is your life now. So you just got to get used to it. And this is what's going to happen. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have easier days. And that's just how it is. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to kind of close up here in terms of, what's next for you obviously you've you've written one book um mm-hmm. you're continuing to blog you're you're active on instagram and and probably growing the impact that you have substantially what what is the next 5 10 15 years hold for you what are you i i think you're are you 25 26 now so you've got your whole career ahead of you what are you most excited about and and what's next next for me i would love to write a full length book uh, with a publisher. So that's um, kind of what I'm working towards next, um, finding a publisher, writing my next book, um, and just kind of continuing what I'm doing. Amazing. I love what, helping others. What do, you, what do you want to write your next book about? Do you have a, a topic or, at, or, a, or a title? I don't know if that's how it works. Do you start with the, <laughs> you probably don't start with the title. No. Um, what it's going to be about is basically just what I'm going through, but um, I just want to write more about it and in more depth and detail, um, almost being more open and honest about it. That seems to be a theme that, uh, that's coming through. Yes. <laughs> that's great. Well, uh, thank you. I mean, I think your, your honesty is, is powerful and it's really refreshing. Um, I've enjoyed reading some of your work and, and I, and it sounds like other people do too. Um, I think it's, you know, it's times are changing in terms of the way people engage with their health and, you know, with, with new research and things like that. And I, I just think it's really great that there are people like you that are taking their story and, and using it to help and inspire and, and teach others. Um, so thanks so much for taking the time to, to be part of this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Great. If people want to follow you or, uh, or keep up with your work, um, your website's totallychronic.com. I think on Instagram, mm-hmm. you're, you're totally, totally funkless. Yes. What, uh, where does that where does that come from? That actually just came from a movie I watched like years ago. It's just a line from a Amazing. movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess your book can be totally something. That would be a good uh, yeah book title. <laughs> Put that one out there. Well, great. Thanks, thanks, Steph. I really appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I know you're just getting yeah. getting started uh, in Canada. Yeah. Thanks so much.